Yes, hello. Before we get to the episode, I have a few things to mention. As always, I want to send a special thank you to my patrons. Thank you so much to Austin, John, Ree, The Hydean Way, Minna, Dice for Brains, Fandible, Roll Like a Girl, Kelly, Michael, Anthony, Megan, Ryan, Waffles, Adrian, The One Shot Network, DC, Flying Grizzly, MAB, Long Live the Dungeon, Max, The Broadswords, Zachary, Tavern Tales, Jillian, Alice, Michelle, Splinters of a Broken Sun, and Laura. If you're looking for the International Podcast Month special episodes from 2018, these episodes have been removed from the feed and transferred onto their very own special feed. Every week, between now and the end of August, IPM 2018 episodes will be re-released on the new feed as we gear up for IPM 2019. Keep your eyes out on the IPM Twitter feed, at PodMonth, for more information on how to participate in this year's event. Next, oh gosh, my listeners. It's Valentine's Day. Whether you love someone, multiple someones, anyone, any person, plant, or pet, know that I love you. You're all so beautiful, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my voice for an hour every few weeks. You mean so much to me, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad we're here. You're amazing. And finally, this next episode is with two people whom I admire greatly and am so grateful to have had the pleasure to interview. This episode gets serious, it gets silly, and I gush over their work and them on multiple occasions. I'm pretty sure I never stopped smiling the entire conversation with these two beautiful souls. They are doing such good work in both the RPG and podcasting communities to foster hope and collaboration. They are such shining examples of how easy it is to be a kind and caring human being. Now, let's get the party started. Hello and welcome, Amanda and Eric. How are the two of you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Good. Hello. Hello. The two of you are from uh, this podcast called Join the Party, which I adore. And I just have to say that one of the things that was so exciting for me was I have this list of like dream people I want to interview. And it's like, oh, I want to interview this person and this person. Maybe someday I'll gather up the courage to ask them. And you guys were on my list. And then Amanda reached out to me and was like, hey, can I be on your show? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I did that. I did that. You did. We send Amanda in as a Trojan horse to be like, mm, your podcast is so good. And they were like, let's talk about gender for a really long time. Yeah. Yes. Yep. No, that tends to happen. But uh, I, I cannot talk about Join the Party and all the RPG elements without having Eric here. So I'm glad that you get the uh, the duo. And it's a good duo. Aw, thanks. Thanks. Everyone else on the podcast has day jobs. So we end up taking most of the interviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's okay. Because they know they're loved, I hope. Oh, uh, we, we smother Brandon with love. He edits until like the wee hours of the night. So we always sneak in uh, like positive affirmations of him and telling him to take care of himself in yeah. the back half of all in like the back end of all of the recordings that we do. Yeah, like he'll okay. step out of the recording room or take off his headphones to, you know, adjust something and we'll be like, Brandon, I hope you're taking care of yourself. Uh, it's good to take a stretch break. I hope that you're treating yourself to a treat every now and again. Brandon, we know it's two in the morning. I hope that you sleep sometime soon. We would really appreciate that. Uh, I love you. You look great. You look great. Your hair looks great today. Oh, you guys are so adorable. <laughs> so tell me about Join the Party, how it started, what got you into it. Um, maybe that's a bigger question than I think it is. No, it's actually a very uh, silly question. I was working at my former day job which was the worst. <laughs> um, and one of my, it, it was like an audio 
research sort of place. It was like vaguely related to podcasting, but one of my jobs there was to listen to a few different uh, stranger genres of podcasts and pick out good ones for us to recommend to people. So I listened to like poetry and I listened to mythology, but I also listened to D&D podcasts. So I realized that a lot of D&D podcasts are not that great. And especially as someone who is listening from the beginning, like I had to do for my job, it was just like not accessible at all. Really difficult to get into. I had to listen to like five hours before I actually started getting to some meat and then try to figure out how to show that show that share that to other people was super difficult. I was also working with Brandon and Fish at the time. So one at one company happy hour, I just turned to Brandon and I'm like, let's just make a D&D podcast. Like, let's just do it. It can't be that hard, right? <laughs> Turns out it was extremely hard. Uh, but then we roped. Yeah, I roped Brandon in and then uh, we got Fish to do it because he loves playing games more than literally anything else and we're like <laughs> we should have a third person uh i know uh i know this woman who has a podcast from nyu we should hang out with her and then now amanda is doing something that she's never done before yeah i played most of my first games of D on mic which i do not recommend but i i was completely new to it i thought it was fun i like making podcasts and um, i thought hanging out with the guys would be a fun like thing i did every so often maybe like once a month and uh, JTP has turned into uh, maybe not the majority, but a huge part of my life and profession. Yeah. And so much so that the two of you are no longer having to have day jobs. You started a production company called Multitude. Did that, did that start from JTP or? Yeah, it was around a similar time. Um, so I started making uh, Spirits, my first podcast, in uh, late 2015. I started the the production for that, uh, pre-production. And um, it was chugging along. That's how Eric and I kind of became friends. We know each other briefly from college. But uh, when Spirits started, he was like, hey, I have some great Jewish folklore to share with you if you want it. And I was like, yeah, person on Twitter I've met one time in real life. Let's do it. That's uh, how I become <laughs> friends with everyone. I'm like, you want to hear some Jewish folklore? I have it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so by the time um, we got joined the party off the ground, that was, you know, uh, I guess two and a half years after Spirits had started, it felt a lot more professional. It, we knew a lot more what we were doing and tried a lot uh, more consciously to like do things properly from the jump. And so that whole process made me feel like, oh, wow, I kind of know what I'm doing a bit. I like doing this. You know, I'm making choices instead of just like googling how to start a podcast and doing my best which is what we did for spirits um <laughs> so by the end of the year that we launched during the party um which is 2017 i started multitude just as a kind of umbrella name to be like hey if you like spirits if you like join the party if you like uh potterless which was one of my good friends uh shows that he started in that time this might be something that like it was just a catchier way of saying check out maybe join the party or potterless or spirits um by having a, a web name but very quickly um, in the last year, you know, I started doing some consulting. We launched another show. We had people come to us and ask um, if we could help them make podcasts. And then it was sort of like, wow, uh, yeah, I guess we, we do have those skills and that would be fun. So um, just, you know, you're talking to me, I guess, three weeks after I um, started doing this full time and it is going well. It is scary. It is great. And this is uh, our job now. But that's such a great story. I also want to say, and I'm sure this will come up again, but it's like, 
the story that we just told you about how we started joining the party is like the fun, the fun dinner party way you tell that story. Yeah. But I hope that we get into all of the nitty gritty of the hard work and wheelbarrow full of preparation that we did to actually make this show the what we wanted it to be. So we'll definitely, definitely get into that because uh, you are doing very, very good, good, amazing work. And, and I want to I want to dig deep and talk about that more. We're ready. We had lunch. It is warm in this apartment. We're ready. I ate soup. <laughs> it's all, it's on. So before we jump into all of the like fun nitty gritty of, of podcasting, I, I do want to know like what it is about D&D that, that made you choose a D&D podcast. Like I know you say like that it was that you were listening to all these inaccessible ones, but there's such a huge range of RPGs. Like, what was it about D&D? Honestly, D&D is everyone's role-playing gateway. And I know that it's not everyone, actually everyone's, but it feels like it's everyone's just accessibility portal. I mean, also, we were listening to The Adventure Zone a lot. So it was like, oh, look what D&D can do. And this is also, and I could talk your actual ear off about this, but media representation of Dungeons & Dragons has has come up a lot in the back half of this decade um yes. just like what do you understand about it it's creative power and the way that people interact with it has changed considerably since uh james franco played a game of D in on freaks and geeks so <laughs> like it, it just became more of a consciousness uh, i started playing a bunch of games of D with a bunch of different people and i wanted to start getting a campaign going so i just read all of the books and uh they sent me a bunch of free books uh from dungeon dragons because of my job so it was like i didn't even have to go out and buy it i could just oh, read sweet. the dungeon master's guide alone yeah. by myself so Amanda, what intrigued you about D&D? I had also started listening to The Adventure Zone and was really enthralled by the um, storytelling capability. Eric and I both did theater in our respective youths. And uh, I I really missed that sense of like communal um, storytelling. And, you know, go out. Improv was never my favorite uh, activity. I was not an actor. I was a stagehand. It definitely was not, um, you know, my like thing that I was really good at or felt really natural to me, but I loved being around it. And so um, the idea that we could tell a story and build character and explore other worlds. Um, this was, you know, early 2017 when we were starting to make the show. So I, I definitely felt that need for escapism and um, having something like wholesome that I didn't have to prepare the world. I could just show up in character, make choices, you know, and learn this new thing was really appealing to me the secret of all of amanda's podcasts is that she just shows up and make jokes i mean it's true <laughs> i mean it's something that amanda's very good at is that a secret or is it my strategy both it's both <laughs> it's a secret strategy i also do a lot of business so by the time i get to recording i'm just like I i'm tired let me just make jokes so amanda you're the business end for join the party and all of all of multitude i mean now that multitude is a real thing and Amanda's doing this full time. She is all of our business moms. It's true. I mean, it's amazing to me the sorts of things that you're sharing. Like like you're sharing your wisdom and your your business know-how of the podcasting industry so freely and so like not for free, like you do consulting and stuff. But I mean, all of these different articles that you've written have been like so helpful and I've pointed so many people toward them. And you really have just such a wealth of knowledge that that you're bringing to to this group. Thank you. And, 
you know, Eric contributes to several of those as well. He edits all of them because I am a very uh, tense writer. And he's like, wait, who is this a person talking about this stuff? Like put back in some of your personality, which is very, very helpful. Um, and we also collaborate on uh, all the articles from the join the party medium. So things like the transcription article uh, we wrote together. Brandon has authored a couple. Eric's authored a couple himself. So it definitely is a multitude team effort. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, a priority of mine and something that I started doing you know, I guess at early 2017. So right around the time we were starting to uh, do pre-production on Join the Party, we were making, like I said, such conscious decisions about like, what is the title and what does it signify? You know, like what needs to go into the graphic design and what message does that send? How do we title the episodes? What goes in the description? Um, You know, not to say, not even counting all of the ways that we had to make choices about the audio and how long it is, how it sounded, you know, how much editing, how much design, all this kind of stuff. So having to make those choices with a team instead of, like I said, for Spirits, it was more, you know, we kind of modeled it after podcasts that we knew in terms of what we thought we should do, where we thought we should host and kind of learned as we went. But now we were making so, uh, putting so much effort into doing that, that I realized, you know, it had taken thousands of hours of like reading and failing and listening to interviews for us to figure out how to do it that I wanted to help shorten that learning curve for others. That's a really beautiful thing, I think, because a lot of people are really intimidated despite having like really great ideas and they don't know where to start. And in a lot of other industries, I think there's, um you know, this like this gate, right? Like, uh, I hate using the term gatekeeping, but it's it's useful. It is. And in a lot of industries, you have this like, okay, like what? Once you get in the door, then we'll share our precious knowledge with you. Right. And you're really just breaking that immediate barrier down by sharing like a lot of really amazing information and really valuable. And you can tell with Join the Party how much consideration and how much thought you put into every single episode title and description and the world itself and and the gameplay and everything about it, like the graphic design, all of those different aspects. It's it's very clear, at least to me, like how intentional all of it is. I mean, we hope so. Yeah, thank you. So so let's talk more about that. Why was it so important to be so intentional with each aspect of creating Join the Party? So I came up with uh, the, what do I call it? The, the four, four pillars. Pillar, the four pillars of mediocre D&D podcasts. Okay. It's, it's male-centric, it's nerd-centric, it's joke-centric, and it's audio is terrible. I don't the fourth one isn't snappy, but I think it's very important <laughs> to say. So the fourth one, pretty obvious. Um, someone put a, a one Yeti on a table and everyone is speaking around it and that's it. So right. that's the first thing. Male centric, obviously, I mean, male centric and nerd centric are tied together. When we're talking about gatekeeping, uh, the cis, straight, white, able-bodied male who has been playing this for 10 years and knows everything about D&D inside and out and has played like seven campaigns before and has extremely strong opinions. Uh, that is what D&D podcasts seem to be for or the people who are making them in the first place. And then, of course, as you're playing the game, the game expresses it. You can make jokes about lusty bar wenches and... I hate using this example, but the number of times that I've seen like, yeah, let's just like put some rape in our game. Like that's chill. Uh, it comes up all the time and, uh, it's frankly boring, uh, and it's boring at best and terrible and hurtful at worst. Uh, and it's, we just didn't want to make any, a show like that for anyone. So this game should be for other, anyone, regardless of who you are and also how much D and D knowledge you have. 
The third one, uh, joke centric, is also facilitated by uh, sticking on is like about our ideas about how to make this podcast. So we don't want jokes that are just like people making dumb jokes about whatever. We want to stay in the story so it's not too difficult to follow. Right. By combining all of those four together, we can make a show that you can pick up and listen to and you don't feel excluded because uh, your identity, because your, uh, your ability to just follow podcasts or your ability to follow Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And then... Of course, if anyone can listen to it, we hope that everyone listens to it and we want to go from there. Yeah. And it was really important to us that we added something to this world and to this genre in a positive way. Um, and something that I think other other podcasters or aspiring podcasters can take away from that is to ask yourself before you have any thoughts beyond maybe this idea could be a podcast is to ask yourself, you know, why should this exist? Why should I be the one to make it? And what do I want? to do like what what should the outcome be what would success look like for me and we asked each other that question like in our first meeting and one of our goals was to tell a great story but that wasn't the only one um you know we said like we'll feel really successful if you know this game inspires someone who didn't think D was for them to play it and so you know some more like that so it it wasn't just enough to tell a great story though we do or to be the best sounding D&D podcast out there that we are, in my humble opinion. <laughs> we also need to actively invite in people who have felt excluded from the D&D space. So that includes making transcripts, having all kinds of gender and sexuality representations, not falling into the fantasy racism tropes that are in so many, you know, D&D related and just high fantasy related media. Shout out um, to Harry Potter for making every single goblin uh, Jewish, but, you know, that's fair. Uh-oh. 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 I mean, then don't make the goblins run the banks. I don't know what to tell you, JK. Oh, uh, it's very simple. It's very, <laughs> at least at least, just don't do that. <laughs> that's all you have to do. Give them multiple jobs. So we uh, we knew that if we wanted to, to make a show, we really needed to, like, make it properly and make it for a reason and make it well. And it took a lot of time and money and effort and crying and blood uh, as we figured out how to do this. We The, the folding table cut many fingers it's true we sacrificed our fifth play <laughs> we sacrificed our fifth player Derek <laughs> oh no but uh it was it was hard work for sure but you know that's that's what we signed up for and it's ended up being very fun as well yeah I want to know like what about you personally and who you are drove the need did you not see yourself represented did you not feel welcome beyond listening to these four pillars that were terrible in so many shows was there something that drove you beyond that? I mean, hmm. thinking it over. No, that's true. I mean, I know Amanda definitely has one, but I think, and something that she talks about all the time, and we're very, we give Amanda and Anara plenty of uh, older women to flirt with. <laughs> um, but I guess, I mean, I have more of like a complex answer about like masculinity and shit. You should, I want to hear do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I. It's harder for me to say that I don't see myself uh, identified in a lot of ways. I mean, I am a straight, cis, white, able-bodied male, like of those other people. But, you know, I'm Jewish and a lot of that stuff has is more complicated. But I think that the space for all types of men don't exist, especially in male-centric spaces. So specifically, nerd-dumb and gaming and tabletop gaming. I think there's a lot of space for... I saw a lot of space for, like, 
a few different types of men. There's like our classic masculine masculine sort of guy, and then there's a classic nerdy masculine guy, someone in the vein of Will Wheaton, let's say, mm-hmm. who has made his bones on being this different type of person, but then you only are this type of nerd who can express himself as such. Um, and I didn't really see any space for someone like me who maybe wasn't this like fit into any of these archetypes. And I mean, I'm a very soft boy. <laughs> I have lots of emotions and I am creative in this way, but not, I don't, and have definitely felt a lot of the frustration that this classic nerd archetype has, but I don't necessarily use it as like a, a weapon or a cudgel in response that I feel like nerddom has really kind of worked its way towards. Like you excluded me and now I'm going to build my own fort Mm -hmm. to keep everything in. So yeah, I didn't really see myself anywhere. And there were a lot of ideals that I had put into the story of join the party that I didn't really see like about uh, the difficulties of equality and justice and trust and friendship and relationships that I guess are a little more nuanced than a lot of high fantasy stuff could give me. Um, so I wanted to build a space for people who were fallible, a space for um, for openness for everybody. And hopefully there is there was a space for me in there, even if I didn't necessarily write myself um, a spot. Uh, we, we like to think that, uh, I mean, masculinity has a lot of problems, but I think just as much is that like, it's it's essentialist even when you think that you're making space for the other side. It, it's very black and white, and there's very little space for gray. And I didn't mm-hmm. see myself, uh, my gray self in there. And Inara's super gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important, though, to share that side, Eric. And, and Amanda will get to, we will get to Inara. Listen, I'm queer. <laughs> it's fine. I play a queer character. That's nice. I'm glad there are queer NPCs. I'm glad there are non-binary NPCs. <laughs> Uh, I think the conversation around LGBT representation and women's representation in fantasy is there and it's ongoing and I'm glad it is. Uh, but you you can make your conclusions about me. That's probably true. I, I am, we hear less about the, the shades of masculinity and about how toxic masculinity affects men as well. And and therefore, like reverberates in the whole culture. Like, this is what I want to hear. I'm just sitting here with my like hand over the mic, just listening. Hi, I'm Bicon, Amanda McLaughlin, and I want to hear more about toxic masculinity. I do. I think it is something that we don't, we talk about toxic masculinity by saying that it's toxic, and now let's go talk about all of the queer, LGBT, women, non-binary, powered uh, spaces, but this is something that, that I struggle with too, and I think that we don't talk about this this toxicity. Yeah, I just don't want to. I'd like to hope that I'm not super trash. <laughs> so I know it, it really kind of gets it's complicated and it's very essentialist like that. It's and I mean, that's how I have to compare myself most times. I'm like, I hope I'm not being trash right now because a lot of dudes are trash. Like, I acknowledge them. I'm around those guys. It's funny. Like, I, I say this all the time. I have my friends and my community that I surround myself. And then I'm like, these are all of the people that exist. And there, are, there's no way that other types of people exist out there. And then, of course, like, I go to, like, a friend of a friend's party or someone gets, I guess, uh, yeah, I go to, like, a friend of a friend's party. And then I'm like, oh, no, look at all these other types of people. And uh, <laughs> it's hard to get it's hard to get perspective on. And I think that that's what I'm trying to build with join the party uh, and what I want. We've attracted a lot of queer folks, which who I love dearly, and most of them can pick me up. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> and I, I appreciate so much that they listen to the show and I love that they love it. I just, I also hope that like some guys also find it and be like, yeah, this is the diverse place that you can be a part of if you just kind of like try not to be trash. <laughs> like there's good things on the other side there. And there is room for multiple discussions of multiple kinds of oppression. You know, like it, you don't have to decenter someone else's experience in order to speak from your own. Right. And that's something that I really appreciate is that we can make space to talk about all these different kinds of considerations. Um, you know, all of us are are able-bodied and yet we really value accessibility um, in terms of those who are deaf, hard of hearing, auditory processing, whatever it may be um, in our podcast and like are always doing our best to do better in terms of different kinds of inclusion. And it's it's hard. Like it's it's hard work. It requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of vulnerability um, to constantly, you know, try to better yourself and your discourse and your spaces. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's just that's the work. And that's something that is really important to us. The perfect word there is is that vulnerability, because with many kinds of people, the permission to be vulnerable isn't always there. And especially in male toxic environments. And and that's a little bit what I think you were talking about, Eric, in terms of you said you're a soft boy, right? <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> you know, having those emotions and caring about your friendships and and really wanting to be in touch with your like emotional well-being is a level of vulnerability that is not encouraged for men in so many different communities, including D&D sometimes. Yeah at least historically. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that I have to, I hold myself to an extremely high standard because I've seen so many people pretend to be this and then get so many accolades about it. I'm going to use a very uh, highfalutin example because, uh, I mean, the way that people feel about Patrick Rothfuss drives me crazy. Um, I listen, I read the Name of the Wind books uh, because mm-hmm. Misha Stanton uh, said that they're their favorite books of all time. And Misha's non-binary and I trust pretty much all the artistic things they have to say. And I read it and I devoured it. And I'm like, who said that this guy was a was a feminist icon? Like, are you kidding? Just the way that like he deals with se- like sex with women and the amount of time that they actually get to talk. At one point, uh, Quoth, uh, the main hero, saves a woman from like two women from sexual bondage from sex slavery and then at the end he gets on a horse and says not all men and rides away like it blows and i wish (laughs) i wish i was paraphrasing but he does say not not all men do this at before he gets on his horse and rides away he actually does it and it just like it makes me so upset that like this is the low standard that we permit about these like guys who these guys who make a lot of the media and just because they're not trash they uh, this Mm -hmm. is what we have yeah i it it hurts a lot but i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to do better than that and i guess all i can say is that i'm trying to do better and i have a gargoyle in my game who talks like danny zuko and i guess that i can balance (laughs) the two i just i want that but i think that it's important for there to be people and men like yourself who are being an example of of that non-toxic cis guy who who can have like you you can be a man and have emotions you can be a man and have a high standard of moral and ethical duty and i think that's really important especially 
the access to online content Mm -hmm. and for all of these younger generations as well who are accessing this content with D&D being so huge it's spanning across generations like really I'm not exaggerating it's you know I know people who are much older than I am who played D&D and I taught my friend's 11 year old how to play D&D like that's amazing it's very good so there's all these different generations and i want the 11 year old and the like 45 year old to see men like you eric who are being examples without being lauded as (laughs) as these like you know white knights uh thank you i really appreciate that i mean i didn't i didn't come out i feel so like remiss to take a compliment like that because i didn't come out to make a thing like this i just wanted a place where everyone could be like feel find their find someone who reminded them of themselves and like you know like uh i i mean like i made two princes and they're married and those are that's the main conflict of the story but i i at the same time i want to be like no but like did you see all of the all of the tables that i wrote i have many tables (laughs) and you can roll on any of them and these items i made are crazy like the the me putting in things that are accessible and I and look at people's identities. I care about it a lot and I'm glad I put it in there, but it is not that much harder than like five minutes of editing of your uh, traditional uh, gender roles and sexuality roles that you have in your campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, like I am both I both care about it so much and also like it wasn't that hard. Yeah. So that, that balance is is hard for me to express to somebody else. Yeah. Because they're both really both are it's both important, but I didn't really do that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In like less than an hour long conversation, it's hard to like get at all of these things at once, and that's part of why the education aspect is so important to us too. You know, because like it's we don't want to like sit here and be thanked for making great transcripts because everyone should. It's a basic right. Like access and accessibility is a basic human right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, instead of being like accepting compliments and and priding ourselves on doing that, you know, we we are happy that we do and we're happy people enjoy it. But more important is helping others raise their standards as well. And it is hard work. Like the show is, is costs so much money and takes so much time to make. And that is in contrast to like, there is a version of a D and D podcast that is a lot lower effort. And that's not like an inherently bad thing, but we are just here like trying really hard to make uh, to make one example in this field um, that hopefully inspires players, inspires podcasters and is like a, a little oasis of, of warmth, you know, where people can see something of themselves or get inspired or just kind of escape mm-hmm. the day for a minute. And I think that that's that's a really like beautiful balance that the entire Join the Party crew has really nailed making everybody feel welcome and making it accessible like not just by the transcripts but the very characters inviting people to care about them to care about the pcs and the npcs and you really can see so many different people represented and i think you're right to say like this this is a basic human right we should be able to access transcripts we should be able to see ourselves represented and we shouldn't have to fight for that and the fact that you're putting so much concentrated effort in saying this is what it should be I think is really important because so much media you can be whoever you want to be but you're not going to see yourself 
Yeah. And and that goes back to what Eric was saying earlier about kind of like doing the bare minimum or like not being as overtly offensive as we are used to. (laughs) And then, you know, receiving like the the, like Greek Sundance film laurel, you know, like bestowed upon your name everywhere you go. (laughs) That is a function of scarcity. It's a function of there not being enough examples or enough nuanced examples of how to, Mm -hmm. you know, have a, a creative work that comes from a feminist place or have a, you know, racially ethically inclusive um representation in in a tv show um or whatever it may be having so few examples of queerness on screen or in a podcast or masculinity or you know various levels of ability it's it makes it so much harder when you do find an example that doesn't actively turn away you and your kind then the instinct is like, oh, thank God, I found one thing. And you hold it dearly. And then when the creator or the text or the community is anything less than like a thousand percent what you need it to be, that's an impossible expectation. Yeah. And so the the only solution, like, yes, all of us can strive to be better, but all of us can also strive to like make more and to support more of the content that we want there to be more of in the world. Right. By doing that, we can raise that, that, that very low bar that exists slowly inch it up yes and and inch it up so that that very very high level of expectation like you're talking about doesn't feel as difficult or as much pressure stress anxiety on the creators to fail their community and their groups because i i suspect that is a lot of pressure on on you guys on other podcasts is that pressure where you hold yourself so high, you know, to such a, a high degree of accountability because the bar is so low. If you if you fail that, it's it's scary because you want to do right by the people who care about your show. Yeah, it, it is. No question. You know, like our 45 minute episodes come out of like four and five hour long recording sessions because it takes so much work <laughs> for Eric to have this like expository load of like so much information and so many characters we have to ask a lot of questions of each other so that we are informed enough to like make good and snappy decisions that'll end up in the final edit sometimes someone will make a move or make a decision that one of us worries will be taken out of context or we want to just discuss the implications of that because we take the story and continuity so seriously Mm -hmm. so it's it's not like a lighthearted, you know, let's come and frolic in the world. I hope it sounds that way, you know, like at, at the end, yeah. it'll it'll hopefully sound pretty effortless. But it is something that we take really, really seriously. And at least speaking for myself, it would be, I think, too much pressure if the community, and by that I mean both my teammates, you know, on the podcast and those who listen to us weren't so outstanding because it's, you know, it, it's like any mission-driven job or project where like, it is a lot of effort, but it is also a lot of reward. Yeah. I do want to say, though, we do. It is a lot more work, but it is no more work that we put in than like any sort of sensitive D&D game. Like people yeah. still have agency to make their own choices. Uh, we still improv the hell. I still have no idea what they're going to do. But it's like you would stop. Uh, You would stop an action when you're like. Uh, this bothers me or I'm concerned right. about the implications of this thing because of how I feel as a person or how my character would feel in there, both me and the character's identity dealing with that. Like that, it's not more invasive 
than that. It's just like about being sensitive and being aware of the story we're trying to tell mm-hmm. at the risk. Like, I don't want anyone to think that we're not D&Ding it up because we care about that a whole lot. I, <laughs> again, I, I truly have no idea what a lot of these moves are going to be next. And There's I like so many tables, <laughs> so many tables. Um, and they just like, they come in and they muddy my, they muddy the, the house that I built. And uh, once they live in there, then it's a home. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, we're also a really good dandy podcast. <laughs> like I, I have listened <laughs> to a lot of them and like, okay, we're inclusive. Okay. We're accessible. Yes. It's, it's important to us, you know, blah, blah, blah. All the things we've talked about so far that are very important to me. I'm going to align over with blah, blah, blah. Um, but we're also a very good dandy podcast and the mechanics are very interesting and the gameplay is fascinating. And there's like a longer plot that that's advanced in every episode. And yet every episode is like a tiny, beautiful little bubble adventure. I am so in awe of the work that Eric and Brandon do in creating and then editing the story respectively. And it, I think it would be, unfortunately, there is a double standard on like, okay, we're here to like represent, you know, a, a multitude of identities and people, but we also need to like hit a bar of being a really excellent version of what we are to be respected by people who like consume that medium so voraciously. You know, yeah. I think it would be less, we would have less of a of a platform if we were not as like excellent in gameplay and storytelling <laughs> which i can say because i don't do either of those things i just hang thank up. you <laughs> thank you thank you so i mean like i think it's really important like i think you're still showing what a table should be that people should be able to like take away what they listen to on your show and sit down at a table with their own friends and still have those same levels of expectation around like you know the diversity and the you know moral compass and the care put into all characters and the world and it being a safe world in the sense of identity while still having a good time and while still playing a yeah game. i mean it's not again like i don't know what all these the, the people who are worried about all these social justice warriors coming in and ruining their games first of all i am a social justice barbarian second of all <laughs> uh, i'm a is, social justice rogue i like get in and out and steal your prejudices you do a sneak attack against their prejudices <laughs> i sure once do. we figure out how sneak attack works then you'll be able i to plant justice <laughs> um Hold on, I need to not make more jokes about this. <laughs> I'm a social justice druid. I come in and I turn into a bear and then I attack you. Ah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's... It's not that difficult. Yeah, it's just, it's not that difficult to do this stuff. You just like need to care mm-hmm. about the people who's around your table. And I mean, like, if they were your friends already, then I guess you should care about them in the first place. Um, You want, I mean, as a DM, you want their characters to not necessarily even succeed, but just, like, grow and, like, do experience. Like, you're not even trying to coddle them. You just want them to do cool shit. You can't yeah. do cool shit if you're making them feel bad because you you decided to like plan a bunch of microaggressions in your in your game. Right. I, it it doesn't like treat your treat your players and your friends kindly. Like, I don't. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's one of the magic things about games, right? Is that it? It may take courage to change the way that your friend group operates. It is probably nerve-wracking to be the first person to say something against a thing that has been accepted as normal, but that can start in your game. 
you know, there are rules to this world. There is a plot to this world. Mm-hmm. There are like disqualifying actions in the world of a game. And at least for this like socially anxious nerd, it makes me really, it makes me feel safer. And it makes me feel like I can kind of push back against stuff when unlike society, there is like a delineated set of rules and expectations and norms that you can talk about, revise, you know, and and replace at mm-hmm. your table. And you don't necessarily want to have to experience all of these um aggressions and barriers and like negative toxic things when you sit down to play a game with your friends that's what the world is for exactly yeah you can push against that stuff you can work through it you know you can come up against examples of oppression um or aggression and deal with them in a cathartic way like all of that is true gaming is completely related to real life in that way and this is tied to mm-hmm. your original question about why Dungeons and Dragons. I think that D&D has grown because of three reasons. One is 5th edition has made it really easy to like just role play and like tell a story. Wizards mm-hmm. of the Coast themselves has gotten increasingly like diverse and interesting. Uh shout out to Jeremy Crawford who is the what is he the lead designer? Lead game designer yeah. of D&D and he's a gay man and he's put a lot of like same-sex couples in uh, the Dungeons and Dragons canon. canon, like full lore books that they put out. And the third thing is that the world is increasingly shittier for younger people. Uh, so they've gravitated towards games that make it easier to conquer badness. I mean, it's a lot easier to defeat a robber baron or a bunch of zombies than like understand what's going on in society and government and the world right now Mm -hmm. it's overwhelming so you just want to like beat some bad guys up yeah and it's not escapism it's it's processing you know escapism has a place but this is this is different and it's so valuable and i don't know hearkening back to theater again like there is a magic of sitting around creating a story that you feel real investment in and you didn't before you know a world where you care Mm -hmm. about the outcome and you didn't know what the world was an hour or two hours before that yes and that's why the kind of um care that we put into the the quality of our audio um and the wonderful like sound effects and music that brandon brings to the world all the ways that eric designs a game to sound great on in audio and to be experienced first and only in audio for our listeners you know that's all in service of making this feel real um and and helping people you know like we are not just opening the door to let them in but we are like ushering them in and like serving canapes and like (laughs) you know putting signs out on the street (laughs) because we want people to to come in and not need to bring anything but themselves um in order to enjoy it that's perfect i love that i think that one thing that you are both forgetting is how much hope i think that you fill your listeners with because seeing seeing what you're doing and seeing the work that you put into the world and each other and caring so clearly for each other both in and out of character as a listener it really truly like it it was just this overwhelming sense of like the world is shitty but there is hope thank god there are people like you i mean i hope i hope so that's kind of you to say the story that we're expressing in join the party is one of i mean i've said the ideals before but it's like understanding what your power is uh being someone who fights against things that are too large and uh just doing your best and i hope that that is comforting to some people while we 
make dumb jokes and uh fight big monsters and all this other stuff uh there's an ooze who thinks he's a human (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love the chad is my chad might be my favorite thing that i've ever created in my entire life yeah i love chad i don't want to play favorites but i think that the chad was the pinnacle of me doing something because I thought it was funny and then trying to share it with everybody else and making it real. Especially because Chad is a part of the Bachelorette party arc, which was um, based on the Bachelorette and my love of reality show competitions and uh, other TV shows like that. A combination of the Bachelorette <laughs> and High Fantasy and Survivor all together. And then I took this. I'm like, what if a monster thought they were a human? Like, wouldn't that be really funny? <laughs> and they're like, they're like, okay, well, what would be the funniest monsters? Like, oh, gelatinous ooze, big ooze, just like thinks he's a human and like is catty, like on every single uh, reality show. And I think that he's just like the purest expression of how much I get to just put dumb stuff that I love in in the podcast. <laughs> but even your quote unquote dumb stuff and your jokes are like so filled with emotion and character and stakes and hope and like every NPC that you voice, even for a moment, is like standing out in Technicolor off the page and there's no page because it's audio like it's it's just <laughs> I, it's it's so it's so good and i can't imagine this podcast helmed by any other dm i agree amanda put it better than i could <laughs> in this house we stand eric's dming thanks you know i think that the issue um i know i'm taking a hard right but this is what i think about when people say nice things about my dming I just I want as many people as possible to listen to this podcast and like Dungeon and Dragons podcasts are is exemplatory of podcast culture at large. So it's like there are institutions who make podcasts. There are celebrities that make podcasts. And then there's kind of like everybody else. And it's hard to get there. There every unit. There is a very specific audience of people who listen to D&E podcasts. And you're like. Just just come. Just come listen to it. You're going to love it. I promise. And you just need to, like, get in front of them because, like, none of us are that famous yet. We're not Nerd Poker. We're not the McElroys. We're not Matt Mercer, who has voiced been a voice in every single popular video game for the last five years. Um, like, it, it's just hard getting in front of people. And we want to – we put we put the work and we put the love into this thing regardless of who listens to it. But at the same time, it's like I appreciate what we do here and I know that you're going to love it if you just come over here. And getting in front of people is so difficult. It's so difficult. I think it does you credit to, to say, like, that to acknowledge it's it's – that it's not easy again like it's it it comes back to that vulnerability i i so appreciate all of you the way that you show your vulnerability and also show how important it is to be voices for and and forces for a better and kinder and softer world that's the hope yeah we can only do so much so and then back to a fun question amanda what's your favorite thing about joining the party (laughs) mine Um. is chat what's yours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I have an idea i have a guess but i'm gonna hold on to it i'm writing Do it you? down and i'm okay. sealing it in an envelope we're gonna postmark it that way you have proof of the date exactly okay great honestly i mean 
I don't know, I don't want to uh, refine my answer too much. But the first thing that came to mind is I'm extremely allergic to all of the outside. I am very allergic to trees and pollen and dust and pets and all kinds of animal hair and dander and feathers and fur and anything adorable and fluffy, including down pillows, will make me like sneeze and get a rash. And so the fact that I can have a meaningful bond with an animal in this campaign Eric's uh, raising his arms. I, I opened the envelope. It was oatcake. <laughs> it is. It is my. It is my <laughs> blink dog oatcake. Um, it's just like to me. It's it's like such a such a pure example of the the lives we can live in games and the ways that they can be really like add- additive to our own. Um, and I love her. I would die for her. Now every time people see French bulldogs out on the street, they take a picture and say "cute oatcake." Sometimes to the dog's owner, and the owner's like, "Thanks." And so it's just like not not just the enjoyment of um, other people, but it's just really meaningful to me that like a, a thing that I haven't been able to have in real life and probably can never have, I can still enjoy anyway. I love that so much. Have I told you why oatcake is in the podcast? No. No. Okay. So this is super, this is super deep. Uh, Brandon, when all Brandon and I were still working together, we went to this conference in San Francisco. It was like an audio hackers conference. And there were a bunch of famous, successful podcasters who were there. And one was, um, Jenna Weiss Berman. Was Jenna Weiss Berman? Someone from another, it was from another round. I don't remember who, who it was, but I think it was Jenna Weiss Berman before she left and did Pineapple Street. AKA queer podcasting mom. Right. Okay. So it was a producer <laughs> of another round and they were talking about ways that another round, if you re- you remember, um, Hemi Nagatu and Tracy Clayton, both uh, black women from BuzzFeed just created this powerhouse podcast out of nowhere. And they were, the show was unreal, but they were talking about how people interacted with it on social media. And one was people love to make fan art of them and po- post it on Instagram and posts on Twitter and posts on Facebook and something that uh, the producer said I think it was Jenna Westberman said was like yeah people love podcasts about dogs so that they can like write about dogs and like make draw things about dogs like just put a pet in your podcast so I'm like oh my goodness so I'm like (laughs) okay so we were doing this chase scene where Anara meets Oatcake and I had this really really big table that I put different interactions and possible conflicts that could pop up during the chase and then I had the subsection where I put ridiculous things that I kind of sort of <laughs> wanted to happen. So it was like if you um, it was whoever the way that the chase mechanic worked, it was like uh, the enemy, which was me. And then the character would roll against each other. And then whoever had the highest, whoever rolled an odd number would then roll again and roll on the on the conflicts table and then of course i and then i had all the table inside so amanda rolled on it she got an odd number she rolled again and she hit one of the like this the the special box on the table which i only had like two only like three of them were the special ones so this is a three out of 20 chance then you had to roll so amanda had to roll an odd number then she had to roll a three out of 20 chance then she had to roll a d6 to choose which of the special actions would happen and then of course you rolled to get a dog and um, I had the blink dog in there. And luckily, we're in the second stage of this chase where it kind of opened up from a marketplace into like these royal gardens or like a park. And Amanda ran an Inara because of these amazing roles, got to run into a dog park and get attacked by Oatkick. Oh, my goodness. That makes my answer seem less profound. Uh, but also, I think it's adorable. But it's still chance. Like, it was <laughs> yeah. very much up to chance that you would even get a dog in the first place. Yeah. And we came up with, like, the the breed and the name just, like, kind of, like, on the spot. We did. 
Yeah. Love that. And Oatcake had uh um and Oatcake's popped up a bunch of times. Oh yeah. Lately, she, I mean yeah. Oatcake showed up with boxing gloves. We don't know why. There have been posters of Oatcake around the around the city, around all these cities that we've uh we've been to. I have no doubt that Oatcake is older than time and more important than all of the gods we have met so far <laughs> in the campaign. <laughs> she is perfect and precious in my child. <laughs> Perhaps she is an embodiment of one of the gods Ooh. and, you know, like just is Who one. can say? <laughs> Eric just got that crazed look in his eye where sometimes when we're like hanging out or all at dinner together or something, he'll like look it off into the distance and giggle. And now we know <laughs> that it's his DM giggle and he has thought of some heinous conflict that we're going to be uh, addressing the following weekend. Yep. I adore that so much. Especially that you can identify the giggle. Oh, oh yes. Oh, well, sometimes I'm putting in Discord and then all of a sudden I just go, hey, 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 <laughs> And then people do the eye emoji <laughs> because they know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Brandon gets so afraid. He's just like, oh, no, what have you done? Yeah, it's very, it's very good. <laughs> Games are fun. I'm so glad the two of you took the time to talk to me. This has been incredible. The insight into the two of you and the show. And sometimes I narrate things in my life in Amanda's voice. Oh, stop. Um, and <laughs> does it start with hey hi hello because it usually does or is it yelling no, no off mic at something heinous no no okay so i have to say the mid-roll okay i never listened to mid-rolls hey. ever yes. we did it Untas, we did it i like fast forward yeah. but oh well the thing about the mid-roll actually it's funny amanda and i worked really hard that's another thing that we definitely yeah. planned to make good what we loved about the test mid-roll was that griffin introduced himself as hey it's griffin your dm and blank right and we're like oh that's a really interesting way to change something up that is always going to be the same so we decided to start with these small anecdotes i think i wrote the first one and i just put it in there because yeah well how I thought do you it was fun. ease the transition between a completely immersive story and like commerce and business exactly. you know so we we knew that there needed to be some kind of interlude and that's the one we settled on is like a, a pleasant anecdote I love it so much because I think they're always just so cute. And sometimes I write them down and I'm like, I don't like that. I want to remember Aww. that one. Ooh. That's so sweet. I, it's you. fun. Like, I mean, we appreciate that so much. But again, that's another thing that we spent a lot of time working on. I mean, it became like an extension of everything we did in the beginning of the beginners uh, episodes. So thank you for noticing. That, that beginners arc, I have never and I don't consider myself an expert, but I've listened to a lot of D&D podcasts and I have never heard a D&D podcast be so intentional and inclusive to a non-D&D player the way that beginner arc and beginners start here was done. It was so unintrusive and so I don't know, like just warm and like, okay, you've never played the game before. Here's how to learn about the game and how to play the game while still being immersed in the story. And I've never heard it done so well. And the, I mean, you guys knocked it out of the park. And for anybody who has never played D&D before and wants to listen and, and maybe even play D&D, I recommend you guys to and that beginner arc because I don't think anybody has ever done it as well as the group of you yeah, did. This reinforces what we saying because we've never seen anything like it period we've never seen any sort of DD instruction we've never seen outside of things that are directly created by wizards of the coast it does not exist yeah and it wasn't super hard in the end we just had to make some decisions about how we wanted to do it um having an actual new player in the room was helpful because 
I was just like, Eric, I don't understand what these things are during our first game. And then we figured out a way to write them um, into the script. But it just comes down to like respecting the audience and being excited to share a new thing with them instead of suspicious and defensive over like, what if an outside person ruins my thing? So it's it's hard mm-hmm. and it is vulnerable um, to to take that attitude all the time. But that's what really try to bring to the table. And if JTP is a little more optimistic, a little more vulnerable, a little more hopeful than most places, we're doing our job. That's a beautiful way to wrap it all up. Thank you. I'm a professional. <laughs> Please don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> I love you two so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Of course. You Thank you for having us. And before we kick off, where can we find all of your things and you? Absolutely. So if you uh, don't know about Join the Party or you want to send a link to other people to rope them into listening, go to jointhepartypod.com slash start and you can see a link to those beginner episodes, to all of our arcs, all of our after parties, the whole situation. And if you want to learn more about Multitude, see links to all of the resources we made, like more than 15 articles for people who want to start podcasts or have their creative life be a little more organized, you can go to multitude.productions. That's the website, multitude.productions. You can find me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero. At E-L underscore S-I-L-V-E-R-O. That would be my name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. And there's an underscore in the middle. (laughs) Uh, And you can find Amanda on Twitter at She's So Mickey because she is incredibly Mickey. And join the party is at join the party pod. Eric may be better at tweeting than he is at DMing. And I genu- <laughs> I have Twitter notifications on for exactly one account and it's join the party because I love seeing what he tweets so much. Oh my gosh. Perfect. Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help the show going for as little as $1 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and to make your pledge. The intro and outro music for I Am Here was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Thank you so much for listening. It means so much. And the third, um, I don't remember what the third one. I don't remember what the third one is. What? The homebrewness? Ah, no, it was, um, beans is going to come back to me later. I don't remember. (laughs) It was really good. I had it. It was, um, there's this thing called the magic event. I know. Uh, God, I had a really, it was, I, what did you say before this? Uh, I said that you can make changes in the rules at the table that you can't in real life. No, that isn't what you said. You can attack oppression and aggression. Yes, and the third and the third thing. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, clean take, please. Mm, clean take. Um, and the th- <laughs> 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 your butthole. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. That's the blooper. <laughs> That's the bloopers. Um, 